Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, May 3rd. That means it is time for another episode of the Power Hour. I've got the team with me from Pittsburgh Power. I believe today we've got Bruce and Pete and Leroy. So a special surprise there. We'll get to your calls and questions in just a minute. Go ahead and line them up. Those phone lines are open right now. 855-950-3835. Calls are starting to come in, so jump in and uh, pick up the phone and join us. I'm going to get to the team, Bruce and Pete and Leroy here in just a minute, find out what's on their mind. Uh, And then we're going to go straight to your calls. So line them up. After the Power Hour today, I'm debuting another new show. I'm going to try to debut a new show every week if I can. Last week, we uh, did our first episode of After Hours with uh, Kevin and Lauren. This week, I'll be debuting The Pit, Politics in Trucking. So I'm going to try for the most part to keep politics out of my other shows, out of my opens. And once a week, I'll do a show where I'll recap what's going on. It may, it's probably mostly politics. I'll probably throw some other topics in there, some of the things that I may normally do in an open. Uh, I'll save my commentary for that show. I will, we will have phone lines. If you want to call in, you certainly can. The last time I did this show, The Pit, um, one of the reasons I quit was I just couldn't get anybody to really discuss or ask questions. Uh, if that's the case this time, that's fine. I'm just going to make it a monologue then. I may, I may even look for a co-host for this show. Somebody who's, um, you know, pretty into politics, maybe somebody with slightly different views. We'll see. Uh, If nothing else, though, like I say, I'll just make it a monologue and I'll just recap the kind of things that are going on each week in politics and a couple other areas as well. All right, we are going to get to the phones. We're going to hear from the team from Pittsburgh Power. First, line up your calls, 855 nine five zero three eight three five and bruce it looks like you're first up on the board this week welcome back well thank you kevin and welcome home i understand your garden is planted and uh, so everything's getting back to normal well I, I wouldn't say the garden is planted yet but i i got in there and got some work done and actually this year it was kind of exciting i got to harvest things on the first day we had asparagus uh, that i planted last spring that came up this year for the first time to eat and the cool thing about asparagus i clipped it the other day and we had it for dinner and now i can go out and do it again it grows that fast uh 24 to 48 hours depending on the weather so uh we'll have asparagus every day for a couple weeks and i left some potatoes in their containers all winter long and they're some of the best potatoes we've ever had so uh, other than that, I have a lot of work to do, but uh, it's good to be home and it's good to get back to it. And the drive back in the coach was pretty pleasurable. It's a whole different coach these days. Having that extra horsepower and torque's kind of nice. It, um, it, I definitely won't let the crews drive it through the hills. Um, 
and there's no, no need to. It will uh, it'll go straight up and down just about every hill I found at uh, 70 or 75 if you want to. It doesn't even downshift. But it also uh, peaked out at about 58 pounds of boost. Oh, that's high. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to say, uh, remember the 12-7 Detroit we built at the CMC at the first time you had it in Council Bluffs? Yeah. Mike Thompson, who's our catalyst dealer from uh, Indianapolis, is in. He brings it back once a year for a yearly checkup. And uh, has a little over a million miles, I think, on it. He's averaging 8.7 to 9.1 mile per gallon. Wow. That's awesome. So, it's, yeah, it's doing a phenomenal job. And I'm, I'm saying this because there was a guy that said, I would never want an engine that was built in a convention center. So that's why I'm saying this, because when people come up with smart ass uh, claims like that. Well, anyway, well, let me, so there let, he is, 8.7 in the... Yeah, let me comment on that, because I was there watching it the whole time, and it was pretty damn amazing, and that would be the engine I would want, not the other way around. Now, I've been in your shop. I've watched your guys do in-frames. They are immaculate when they work. You see the processes, everything gets measured. I mean, they're serious about building the engine correctly. I've watched that in your shop, and it's clean, but it's not as clean as the carpeted floor on a convention center. Or where it, it, that, that build was so completely spotless and clean, and the other thing is it had hundreds of eyes on it. You know, if, you, if you're going to make a mistake, it's not going to be on that one. Everybody's watching. It was super clean. Um, I, I'll take that one every time. Okay. Well, we're ready to do another CMC. I know Pete's anxious. And I also wanted to say, um, I understand the government is thinking about the speed limit for semi-trucks. And, you know, I've been spending a lot of time on the interstates, and it's so nice to just be able to not have to pass trucks. And I had a pet peeve where two company trucks both govern, say it's 64 mile an hour and one wants to pass the other and for 10 miles they're side by side. And that's only going to happen more. And there's going to be more people doing leapfrog. Uh, you'll lose fuel mileage because you can't pre-accelerate accelerate for the hills. So that is a bad idea. And if anybody from the government is listening, I hope they pay attention to that. Yeah, I and hope I also they do. wanted to say. Let me let me comment yeah. on that because I think everybody knows I've driven slow most of my career. I promote driving slow. It's one of the best ways to get better fuel economy and lower your maintenance costs and all kinds of benefits to it, and it's less stressful. But having said all that, having done it for decades, I don't want the government doing that. That's not their role. If somebody, if the speed limit is 80 miles an hour in Utah and somebody wants to drive 80 miles an hour, then they should be allowed. If you want to change the speed limit, then work on changing speed limits. Don't force us to put this kind of stuff on equipment. Don't, there, there are so many unintended consequences of this. You said they won't be able to, um, you know, get enough speed on the downhill to get up the uphill. Oh, yes, they will. Watch them start putting it in neutral. And how dangerous is that? Yeah, that's right. And if you, 
recall about six weeks ago, a gentleman called in from Nebraska and wanted us to make his new X-15 be louder. And I had dinner with him and his son in Georgetown, Colorado. And we talked about that. He said, it's just too quiet. So I got to do a remote tune on another X-15 in the W-9, a heavy haul truck in Denver when I flew back from the Louisville truck show. And yes, we gave it more power and everything is compliant. However, there's no noise. You know, back in the days of the big cams and the four and a quarter B cats and even the six NZ and five EK cats, when you get and, and the twelve sevens, when you gave them power and you laid into the throttle, you would hear the engine roar. These new engines don't do that, and it's um, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, something to get used to. So I can see why when a guy goes from an older truck to a newer truck, he might not think it's pulling hard and running good, but uh, I guess it, that quiet. You know, think about it, Bruce. Almost everything we've gone through in trucks, we went through a decade or more earlier with cars. I mean, think about when you and I were building cars. It was headers and glass packs and cherry bombs. And I mean, it was all about how it sounded and they were loud. And that's just not the case with cars anymore. They produce all kinds of crazy horsepower and performance and you can barely hear them. Nothing worse than a Honda Civic with a, a loud muffler on it. <laughs> yeah, when they try to put the mufflers on those things, it just sounds awful. It sounds like a swarm of angry bees. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that was a big part of what we do when we built muscle cars. You know, the exhaust system was a big part of it. Today, it's, you know, they, they, we don't do big block stuff. Now we get, you know, a whole lot more horsepower out of much smaller engines and they're quiet and, uh, it's just a different world. Now we're, we're seeing that same thing in, in trucks. You're right. These things are just really, really quiet, and they can still produce a lot of performance that way. Okay. All right. So uh, it looks like Pete is up next. Pete, welcome back. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. I'm uh, back on the correct coast. Enjoying the West Coast? I am. It just feels different out here. Good. I'm glad to be home. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, it's always nice to be home. Yeah, like I said, it was an interesting drive. I was a little gun-shy after all the uh, issues I've had on this trip, but um, one minor issue on the way home, I got caught in a really big uh, rainstorm. I mean, it was just pouring. I think I was in Montana and the wind was whipping like crazy, and it was about midnight, and I, you know, kept looking for a place to stop, and I couldn't find one, and a truck came by me, and a lot of times when a truck comes by, you get another big gust, and I got such a big gust, it pulled the windshield wipers away from the windshield and whipped them down so far that they stopped working in the middle of a rainstorm, in the dark, looking for a place to park, so I finally got off, went to bed, I thought I'll deal with it in the morning. Uh, and it, there's a rod down there with a ball joint that controls the whole thing, and it just came off. I mean, it was a five-minute fix. Other than that, um, it performed flawlessly all the way home. It's always good to have an uneventful trip. Yeah, 
Yeah, it sure was. And uh, I pushed it pretty hard. I got here in uh, just about four days, which is as fast as I normally want to do it. How many miles is from here to your place? Uh, 25, 2600, I think. Sounds about right. And I was, you know, doing the show and, you know, when you, when I leave and I'm on East coast time, that shows 11 o'clock in the morning. That's just, I'd like to get up early and drive. So that's right smack in the middle of when I'm trying to get all my miles in. So that, um, that put me back a little bit. And then by the time I get out here, I can just get up, do the show and then get on the road for the day. So I'm home for the summer. I don't plan on going anywhere for a while. Good. It's always nice to be home. Yeah. I know when I head to the shows, I look forward to going to the shows, um, but I certainly look forward to coming home as well. Yeah. Yeah. This trip, uh, almost two months. That's enough for me. A lot. Yeah. So I'm sure Lisa's happy to have you back. Absolutely. Diesel too. So uh, what's on your mind this week? Oh, nothing new. Um, still staying busy. The shop's busy. It's backed up pretty far. Um, so yeah, nothing, uh, nothing new or terribly exciting to speak about today. So one of the things I want to ask you, cause we're just now starting to see it. Um, I don't know what we'll do about it. Probably nothing for a while, but, um, in our business, we're starting to see the effects of inflation. You know, certainly in your personal life, you see it right away. Gas, food, every time you go to the store, things are going up. Um, Business-wise, we've been pretty fortunate. We didn't have a lot of increases. But, you know, I'm looking at our P&L this week, and I'm starting to see the cracks starting to show. You know, costs are going up. We're starting to feel it. We're in, you know, pretty good shape right now. Are you guys starting to see that? Are you, you really starting to be impacted by some of those costs? It is, yes. So, you know, parts keep going up generally. You know, so with, with Cummins, I see those prices, uh, the price increase. I get the email, and generally first of the year they do it, um, which they did it this year. Um, I got another notice that they're going to do another price increase in, uh, I think, June, end of May or early June. Um, capped parts keep going up. Detroit parts keep going up every time we order them. So when we pull up a part, if you give me, Hey, I need this injector. I can pull over. I can see what it is now or like, Hey, I got to order it and see what I paid for it the last time. And it's almost every time you order a part, uh, the price is going up. Oh yeah. That's not and a good trade sign. is crazy expensive. I will do an order for something. And I realize if we're shipping to the middle of nowhere in Idaho, it's going to be expensive. It, it just is. But I was shipping stuff to Texas and you know, it was heavy, but nothing crazy. And I'm like, hey, this is, can't be right. The freight figure, and it was just outrageous. Freight's getting terribly expensive. Yeah, it, it really seems to. And it's such a weird time because the, the kind of freight, I think, and we deal with that same kind of freight, which has to include what they call the final mile. We're, we're not sending it to a distribution center or even a retail store or shop you're sending to the, the end user, the customer. So you've got that final mile piece in there, whether it's FedEx or LTL freight, which is really expensive right now. Um, rates are coming down for the most part in trucking, except that segment, that segment of, you know, I want it now, I need it tomorrow. I want it right to my house, whatever. That segment is getting one expensive and the service is getting worse. 
yeah, everything's taking longer to get there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, seen that. Uh, hey, Bruce, I, I talked about a statistic that uh, you might be interested in because you were around. Um, Noel Perry, he's the analyst we work with as far as what's going on in trucking. And um, he's looking at everything that's happening right now, fuel prices, inflation, part shortages, labor shortages, what's going on with the rates. And he made a statement that we are looking at the worst conditions for trucking since 1980. And I said, well, then that's the worst conditions in trucking ever because prior to 1980, that was a whole different industry. It was heavily regulated, uh, the money part of it. At 1980-81 is when we deregulated, and it's like a whole new industry, and it has been since 1980. Uh, but he's saying these, right now, what we're looking at, the worst conditions we've ever seen. I believe it. Yeah. Our uh, our economy's a mess. That's going to be my show afterwards. Yeah. Well, our Supreme Court and FBI and CIA allowed them to steal the election and uh, help their suffering too. Well, we're um, you know that we had that big run up in diesel prices. Then they started dropping, so it looked like maybe that wasn't going to last. But we're setting records again. Um, just yesterday we set a new record. Um, I'm having a hard time keep $5.23 a gallon, maybe. The numbers are so big, I have a hard time remembering them because they don't make sense. Uh, that's a record high. It's never, ever been that high. And I was mentioning yesterday, I keep using that term. We're setting records, but none of them are good. They're, they're all negative. We don't want to set these kind of records. So um, it's just going to be that much more important. The reason I bring this up on the show, it's going to be that much more important to really, really watch your cost. And when you own the equipment, fuel is obviously number one. We need to really be focused on bringing fuel costs down. Um, Matt just sent me something. He said it's five fifty a gallon. May have gone up again today. Um, that's insane. I, I just, you know, I've, I've talked about prices like that before, but we've never seen them. I saw um, the chart for New England, $6.10 a gallon was the average in the New England states. The same thing on the West Coast, over $6 as the average. That, uh, and they vote, they vote for Biden. Yeah, well, New England yeah. is a Biden fan, so there you go. Yeah, the two coasts. Um, so after the show today, I'm doing the pit where we'll get deeper into the politics of all this, but this really does impact all of us right now. These kinds of prices and shortages and everything we're dealing with has a huge impact on our business, um, but that's why we do this. Uh, I really, really okay. believe, Bruce, you'll like this. I did an open last week and i think one of the most important things people who own equipment right now could be looking at is how can they do more of their own maintenance or any of their own maintenance learn how to do it get some tools i think it's going to become necessary right um now's the time to keep the max mileage in your engine to keep the engine clean to keep it running longer you don't have the sitting carbon in the combustion chamber and you have the fleet air filter, so you now you have the clean air, the engine may run indefinitely for you. 
Yeah, I was um, I was experimenting with the catalyst on the way back, and fuel economy right now for me was out the window. No point in even trying to track it. Um, but I do have kind of an interesting result. So normally when I take a trip in the coach, it's 60 miles an hour just about everywhere I go. I very seldom pass anybody at that speed, so it's not like I need to speed up to get around people. So I'm pretty consistent at 60. Uh, and fuel economy is usually somewhere five to five and a half at best without the trailer. That's been historically. Uh, on this trip, uh, I ran minimum of 70 most of the way across the country if speed limit slowed down i'd slow down but if it was 70 75 or 80 i'd run at least 70 sometimes 73 i really kind of wanted to make some time getting back um and i was running the generator all night because it was cold everywhere i was and i had to keep the batteries up um the diesel fire heater was running and they all three pull from the same tank uh and i still managed to get 5.3 which is about the same as what I always seem to get. Uh, But running that much harder, running the generator all that time, I have to believe if I were to go do a 60-mile-an-hour trip without the generator and the diesel-fired heater, um, I would guess I'm probably going to be well over six, which I've never been. But what I was experimenting with with the Catalyst, the first time I used it was on the trip heading east this time. And when I got to your shop, we noticed it much more because I was inside. The exhaust has a really odd smell. Um, And we were all talking about it and commenting on it. And I got thinking, I wonder if that's because I've got the catalyst in there. Then on this trip back, I was noticing a lot more white smoke um, at certain times, like going through parking lots. It's always hard because that exhaust is so far behind me. But it seems like, And I would skip tanks. I'd run the catalyst in one tank. I wouldn't run it in the next. And I was fueling just about every day. Um, It seems like when I run the catalyst, I'm getting that smell and that smoke. And what I think, I think that engine's probably pretty dirty. And I think I'm really, the catalyst is cleaning it out still. The A-certs with their, uh, what's the valve, Pete, on top? The The actuator. The actuator actually opens up and lets exhaust back into the intake. So it's and the actuator should be called an EGR valve, but they didn't do that. So you have these actuators opening and it's putting soot back into your intake. And if you were to look inside, you would see that it's filthy in there. Now, now after this trip, it's going to clean it up considerably. And it'll eventually make it spotless inside. Yeah. Might take a couple more trips. It seemed like that's what was going on. It seemed like it was just really dirty. And when I ran the catalyst through, you could tell the difference. It was cleaning something up. We noticed the same thing in the marine industry because a lot of the engines run at very low RPMs and they have a lot of soot and carbon. And and a lot of them are old, 15, 20, 25 years old. And they'll run and they'll clean up to a certain point. And then all of a sudden, one day, you'll have this haze coming up. And if you're cruising all day, it'll keep coming up. The very next day, it's all gone. Yeah. That was yeah. the final purge. Got it. I kind of expect that's what's going to happen, but uh, it's all good. All right, let's let's uh, let's bring Leroy into the conversation. Leroy, welcome back. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Good. Good. It seems like I just saw you a week or so ago. 
<laughs> I know. I haven't seen you a lot lately. <laughs> it's good to hear that the coach is running good, though. It is. It is. It's uh, it's definitely a whole different animal now. Got uh, Can't let it loose on the hills with the cruise control. Got to drive it now. <laughs> I was a little bummed I didn't get a ride, but it's I okay. know. When you I come know. back out. That's right. We, I, you know, I had so much fun there, and I got so much done. I think that uh, I should just make, because Louisville, you know, I'm going to be there every year, so I should just make this an annual trip. Go to the truck show and then head to your place for a week or two. Yeah, you definitely should. Yeah. There's more things I wanted to do with your your file anyway, the, the tune in your truck. So oh, good. I just think you can't get to it. Yeah, there we go. All right. So uh, what's new and exciting in your world? Any uh, Anything going on you want to talk about? Um, I have a bit of a funny, interesting story with maybe a little bit of a, you know, a moral at the end of it, you know, something to keep in mind. Good. So we had a guy come in with uh, a 60 series, a GDX5, and he, we just wrote him up the front counter. He says, I have a check engine light on. I don't know what it's for, you know, uh, let's, let's pull it in and take a look at it. So we pull it in, pull up the codes and it says it's a, uh, oil temp sensor, right? The, the oil temp's too high. So we're looking at the value and this thing is, has been pretty cold, like coolant temps, like 120 degrees or something like that. Like the engine's not very warm. Wow. Okay. But the oil temp's reading like. 230 or something like that. Oh, very wrong. Yeah. For an engine that's that cold. I'm like, okay, well this seems like a pretty clear cut case. So it's either ECM wiring or sensor. Cause when you have an issue like that, it can really only be three things. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So I, I crawl in the truck. Uh, it was a bit of a pain to get to. Uh, it's really buried in there. And, uh, I unplugged the sensor and then we got a fall code for circuit open then I put a wire across it to short it, and we got a fault code for short circuit. So that proves that the wiring is good and that the EZM is good. Okay. So now we're just down to a bad sense. So we go and uh, I get a new sensor off the shelf, put one in there, screw it in, and it reads like uh, like 120 degrees like it's supposed to, right? Okay. This is all not that interesting so far. <laughs> and... I go up to the front counter because he's just like, he's ready to pay his bill. And he's just like, hey, I want to talk to you. I was like, okay. So I go up there and we're talking. He's just like, I just had that sensor replaced two weeks ago. <laughs> like, no, you didn't. He's just like, yeah, I have the paperwork in the truck. I was like, oh boy. No, you didn't. I was like, I was just under there. Right. It's covered in like crap everywhere. I was like, this was, hasn't <laughs> been replaced since 2005 when the engine was made. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he's just like, I'll take you out to the truck. We'll look at the paperwork. I was like, all right, okay. let's go. Yeah. And I went and I, I have the sen- the dirty sensor in hand yeah. and from when I change it. And he goes out there and he looks at the paperwork and he's just like, here. And the work order said that he took it to like a TA or something like that. I don't know. And the work order said replaced oil temp sensor. But the interesting thing was they put the part number on it. Like of the sensor that they were charged him for. Oh, I was okay. just, He's just like, right, what is this? I was like, I don't know. Google it. I was like, I don't have my phone. Just, <laughs> just type that number in on Google and type Detroit diesel. He types it in and it says oil pressure sensor. I was like, there you go. They didn't replace the oil temp sensor. They replaced said, well, the they said pressure they sensor. Ah. I was like, well, they didn't, man. <laughs> so it was, it, so like, I guess the moral of the story is like, it, if you have an issue and you get a sensor replaced and then you go and you leave the, 
the shop and you still have the same issue, then just look up the, if they gave you the part number that they replaced, just look up, to see if they even replaced the right thing. You know, there, I think there's a, another lesson in here too. You said the first part wasn't interesting. I found it interesting just because I, I like the way you think through troubleshooting and how simple you made this. And I just don't see enough of that. They, and that these other shops, it's like they throw parts at things. They don't just stop and think it through. And the way you explained it was pretty clear. If you have this problem, yeah. what are the causes that could potentially be occurring? And you went through them. And, okay, yeah. what's the easiest one to eliminate first? And that's what you did. And this is one of those cases that, even though for some people it might seem complicated, it's a sensor, it's electronic, um, you narrowed this one down pretty quickly. There are other things we've talked about them in the past, like a fan not coming on right. There's like 17 things, it seems like, that can cause that. Um, this one, though, you narrowed down. Yeah, it can only be this. Like and here's how with one or two steps, we eliminated two of the three possibilities that quickly. And yeah. I, I don't yeah. think enough people realize how valuable those kind of skills are in a shop that saves you the truck owner a lot of time and money when somebody does that correctly. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like some sort of like secret knowledge or something that I've obtained. It's, it's if you even like, if you're a new tech and you have no idea what you're doing, like when I came here, like I knew about electronics, I worked on uh, microwave boards that, you know, talk to the satellites and stuff. I didn't know anything about trucks, but when you look through the troubleshooting, it says you got this circuit error. It's like unplug it, short it. And then if it's if those are both good, it's a bad sensor. So like, that's just like the synopsis of a typical sensor issue. But it was, it was just really surprising that somebody would look at a fault code and then not even know what sensor that they were putting on. Like, did they just, did they just get one off a shelf and just throw it somewhere? Did they not know what, the oil temp sensor was or where it was. And, like it's very surprising. That and there's another part of this that's kind of surprising. When your job is to fix something, and however he came to the conclusion that this was the sensor he was supposed to change, I'm not sure how they came to that point. But after you do, don't you go back to see if you fixed the problem? Yeah. <laughs> you, you would think so. I, I mean, there, there, was a, there was a numerous amount of breakdowns here. Like the yeah. first guy ordered or got off the shelf an oil pressure sensor, handed to the guy. He says, I replaced oil temp sensor, which wasn't even on the right side of the engine. <laughs> he was on the completely wrong side, replaces it. And then like, it, then they write in the work where it's fixed. Like, it, I don't get it. Right. It's not fixed. Nothing changed. We, you couldn't have even checked anything. No. That that seems insane to me. It's like you pull in and your air conditioner isn't blowing cold. And they say, oh, look, we found this wire broken. Oh, OK. We fixed the wire. Hey, you know what? My air conditioner still doesn't work, though. Something's still yeah, wrong. It still blows hot air. They're right. like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but I fixed the wire. Yep. <laughs> but you didn't fix the yeah. problem. Yeah. Oh, that's just scary and frustrating. It was. It was very frustrating because yeah. he, he, you know, I would see he was a little upset because he's just like, he, I think he immediately got a little offensive because he just had this issue fixed. And then, you know, I uh, come along and I have it fixed in, you know, under an hour or whatever, or a little over an hour or something like that. And I was just like, it's, you know, it was pretty but, easy, clear cut case. And yeah, and it, I guess it wasn't. 
you know, let's be real. You said you had to crawl under the truck. That sensor wasn't that easy to find. As a driver, even an owner, um, I'm on the road. I'm tired. I'm working hard. I need to be able to trust my shop. I don't think I should have to crawl under there to make sure you actually change the right part. Um, so I no, understand why you, one. You, you accept it. They say fixed. You get in your truck, you drive. But if it's not fixed, you really should just go right back. Well, I'll give you one more point to this whole story. So he has a scan gauge, right? And that's how he noticed the issue because he says, my old temp still reads 200 all the time. Okay. And I'm just like, yeah, that's, it's broken. Yeah. <laughs> he should have turned around and went right, right. back. Right. Yeah, the problem wasn't fixed. So, so uh, a couple yeah. interesting things while I was there. I got to hang out with you. I got to learn a lot. I Ethan and I hung out a couple nights and um, it just got talking about different things and you know I'm looking at the the coach itself saying you know why didn't I do some of this stuff earlier but I know why it, it's just for one if I pay somebody else to do it the cost is outrageous because everything takes forever um, being right. there for a week or two or back and forth and I had time to do it myself and help and tools I mean really got a lot done and I got looking at this and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'll bet every coach on the road has just boost leaks everywhere and nobody wants to fix oh, them yeah. because it's too much work. But I, I was talking to Ethan and he was telling me he had a phone call uh, from a guy with a Prevo and mm-hmm. I forget what engine it had in it now. It might have been... Oh, now I can't remember what engine. He would know. But the the lesson is the same anyway. He said that the shop was telling him that it was due for an overhead. It had like 80,000 miles maybe or less. And the shop was telling him it was due for an overhead. He really needed to get it done. It was important. And the cost was only $7,000. <laughs> Only yeah. <laughs> they basically have to take the engine out of the cradle to do an overhead on this thing, so it was going to be seven thousand dollars. And I said that engine would never get an overhead if that was mine. It's here's the thing: how many trucks pull into shops, commercial Class A trucks pull into shops day after day after day? Nobody ever bothers to tell them they probably should do an overhead on those, and yet. We've got this shop wanting you to spend $7,000 to go in and do it. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's a premium on coaches, too. Oh, you know. well, if you have, if the labor is you have to get the engine out of the cradle to do this, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big premium. Well, yeah, that and just parts yeah. in general, yeah. Right, yeah. And, and there are probably less technicians to work on those, so it's a supply and demand thing. So the labor rate, the shop rate's usually higher. Um, everything takes longer, but I, I thought that was just incredible. $7,000 to do an overhead. Oh man. And I, and I think coaches are either, there's like two types of coaches with all the ones I've seen. They're either the ones that get babied and they're like mint or there's a complete other side of spectrum is they're the most abused, like, oh, you know, heavy duty engine on the road. You saw mine. Yeah, that's mine. Mine actually yeah. gets used. I mean, mine's like a work truck almost. It's not, you know, oh, it, it's not. I, a, I mean, <laughs> abused, not used, abused. Oh, yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. Uh, I, and, the, and some the of last the. last Prevo I saw in here. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say the last Prevo I had in here, the guy was driving it and, the, you know, there's 
the, the engine goes, uh, this one had EGR and it goes through an EGR cooler, which cools the exhaust gas before it goes into the intake. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't have to breathe a thousand degrees of, you know, yeah. exhaust gas. This, this one came in with like 255 counts of EGR temp high. And the highest one was like a thousand twenty seven degrees. Wow. That, that is like a thousand almost, you know, by the time it mixes with the intake, you know, that's, Two three hundred degrees of intake air temp. That's hot. And the guy's just like, yeah, I I just hold it on the floor at all times. <laughs> and it's like you're gonna blow, you know. Yeah, and he that's, holds that's it on. What I see. They're either just abused yeah. or not. Yeah, he holds it on the floor because he's got nothing but boost leaks everywhere. I'm, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, so, uh, that's, that's what I mean. That's what it they're takes awful. to drive it. Yeah. All right, we're uh, we're gonna get to some calls. Let's get started today in Texas. Greg, welcome to the program. Oh, Greg, are you there? Sounds like somebody might be there now. Greg, hmm. Let me put him back in the queue, and we'll try somebody else. Maybe I should refresh just to see what I've got going on here. Um, let's try this line. Let's go to Illinois. Derek, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Hey, guys. Uh, I, I was actually the first caller last week on the Power Hour. Uh, you might remember I, I, I was able to get my OPS installed. Thank you to Pete. And thank you to his suggestion of getting a hold of Brian in the, in the shop there. He got me sorted out and was able to get the OPS installed yesterday. Um, so that kind of brings me to my next little problem here. I, and I'm not, I'm not certain what thermostat this truck's got in it. Um, if you might remember, I had an in-frame done back in October, actually called October through January. And, uh, the truck will run about a hundred, 175 degrees on a water temperature. But last night, for anybody that's traveling out here in the Midwest, the wind's blowing super hard. It's been raining. Um, for some reason, just I was driving straight in that wind, and I, I was lucky to have this thing up at 150 degrees. Um, I actually broke out the winter front, 50-degree ambient temperature, and I had to put the winter front on it just to get it back up to that 170 range. So uh, my question to you is uh, – is that pretty dire situation to maybe get in there and get some different thermostats in? Maybe they're stuck. I don't really know. But like I said, it's got 25, 27,000 on an end frame. So I would, I would verify the temperature gauge is correct with the heat gun first. Um, and if it is indeed correct, more than likely the thermostats are, uh, aren't closing the whole way. And the, of course, the engine is just not going to run efficient at that low of, of, of a water temperature. So it would need right. fix sooner than later, and, and that doesn't mean pull over instantly and get it done. Um, but within a, you know a week or so, again, it's going to hurt fuel mileage and the performance of the engine if you don't get it fixed. But I'd verify the gauge is correct because if the gauge is off and you throw a winter front on it, it might be running too hot then. Well, so handheld heat guns are—I think most guys should have those in their in their toolbox in their truck. They're just really yeah, handy for any situation like this. That's a good point. I mean, it, I guess I was just going to say, well, the fan ain't kicking on, but the fan's going to be going off of that same gauge, right? So, No, um, not necessarily, yeah. and that's a good sign oh, no. that the fan isn't right. It'd be a, the, the fan would have a different sensor. 
So okay. that's a good okay. sign that right. it's probably yeah. correct and it's simply okay. running cold. But I always like to verify stuff. Yeah, good point. Yep, I can definitely do that. I, I can probably scrounge up a, a infrared gun at some point. Okay. Hey, also, um, also good. don't forget there's a seal. The thermostat sits in a seal. And you remember how touchy that was, Pete, on some engines to get that seal just in the correct way? Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been in shops and I watch guys take a spray can and they put that down on the seal and they're beating on the top of a spray can to get that seal into place other than having the correct tool and, and an arbor press to put that <laughs> together. So, Okay. All right. Well, that was kind of my thought. I, I, I imagine it's doing me no favors in the, in the uh, economy realm, and it's probably not necessarily the best for it either. So that's that's kind of my next project here. Um, it, I, I I didn't really know whether this tank is well. It's just what it is. The winter time. I mean, that's I, I I'd have 170 degrees at 10 degrees ambient temperature, and even looks like you have last night. It really kind of drove it home because driving straight in that wind plus the rain must have just been super cool in that radiator and all. And uh, yeah, I was lucky to get 150 out of it. So that was the coldest I've seen it since I started running this truck. That's hard on the liners too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's why I busted out that winter front. At least got the temperature up a ways. So okay. Uh, I think that'll about do it. Again, thanks, uh, thanks, Pete, for for getting me steered the right path, getting this OPS installed, and and uh, pass it along to Brian in there as well. I will do that. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, let's try Texas again. Greg, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks, Kevin, for taking my call. Sorry about that. I, I believe you tried to get me on a few minutes ago, and I had a call I had to take on the other line. Oh, that's okay. Uh, we got gotcha. you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, the reason I was calling, I have a, kind of a show idea for, for Pittsburgh Power, um, and also some suggestions. You know, sometimes, sometimes, y'all speak in terms that maybe not everybody understands. Um, and I, you know, I've been trucking for a while. I understand a good part of it, but, um, you know, things like, you know, the Bruce, uh, the things that, that you kind of promote as far as driving, you know, especially, um, how to drive with your powerometer and boost gauge. Um, maybe if you, you know, had a show that kind of, in layman terms, explains everything that, you know, that, that y'all are meaning rather than just saying, you know, learn how to, um, you know, kind of give some really good, really good pointers. You know, one of the things I, and I like that because we do run into this and that you, you forget that some of these terms, you know, a lot of times we'll get a message from somebody and say, what do you mean? I keep hearing you mention setting the overhead or you know we have 10 different terms for people that use different terms to talk about you know valve adjustment and all that and they get confused so and then the one that was a big one for a while because we were saying it all the time when we would say the word glider people were like what's a glider they they didn't know what we were talking about and you know so many other things so i'd like that now one of the technologies that we're working on for our own 
app and our own shows is we're working on technology that would actually find all of those places in the audio. You know, you can search text. You can't really search audio. Well, you can now. There's some new technology we're looking at that would allow us to start building a library of these kinds of things so that we don't have to say them every time. And we can let somebody know, yeah. hey, if, if you if you want to understand more about oil samples, you just go here in our app, and every time we mention the word oil sample, it gets tagged and cataloged, and you can just go listen to those calls. So that's one of the wow, things. Yeah, that would be me. Yeah, I mean, we're, and I'm not sure we can pull this off. The programmers tell me they can, but it gets even better than that i mean they're they're thinking we might get this down to the point where the uh, speech recognition software now is getting really powerful so we might even be able to do things like i said oil sample then i said isx and it will actually tag all of those things and then you could sort by i want to hear all the oil sample calls when it was an isx and so it's um, it, it's pretty exciting if we pull this off. Like I said, we're uh, and this is one of the reasons we're building our own stuff. There's some new technology out there, and um, we want to do some things with shows to make those kind of things possible. Oh yeah, I think yeah, that's what makes it make, makes it great. Is is as far as you know, I know it stinks. You know, it, it wasn't good at first getting off of serious, but I truly think it's you know going to be better. You know, especially for the listeners, to be able to do stuff like that. I love the fact that, you know, I was able to listen to every show since you, you know, since you got off serious just by going, you know, going to let, Let's Truck and get caught up on everything. Yeah, now you'll be able to, uh, to binge listen, which is kind of cool sometimes. Yes, it is. Tell your friends, because there's a lot of people that think we're not doing this. We get uh, four or five calls a day from owner operators that think that we're totally gone and we're not. So yeah, that, exactly. And yeah, I some, talk about that in in the magazine articles, but people aren't reading magazine articles like they used to. Um, so we, yeah. we define everything like EGT. What does what is EGT? It's exhaust gas temperature. So when we write it in the magazine article, we if we say EGT, then we'll put parentheses say exhaust gas temperature. So, and some yeah. people say, "Well, I have a manifold pressure gauge. I don't have a boost gauge." Well, manifold pressure is the same thing. Yep, exactly. You know, y'all were talking we, earlier about uh, you know do it yourself, and I think it was last week, the week before, we kind of touched on that as well, and you know it. You know, you're right, though. Not only, you know, it's not just the money money savings, but the time savings, especially, you know, with the weight that you have with some of these shops because they're so backed up, um, you know. And, and as far as money, I mean, I save myself a few hundred dollars each time just by doing my own oil changes. Now, granted, I don't change my oil a lot because I have the OPS, Um but, you know, it's still, and then, you know, for those who don't have the OPS and you're changing it more often, um, it's not that difficult. And a lot of people don't know it, but Walmart takes your old oil. Um, 
So that's what I do. I buy my I buy my oil from Walmart, and I bring them my old oil, and you know, they they take it, and it's not you know not that difficult. Now that's uh, and you know there we haven't talked much about that for the last several years because rates were so good, there was so much freight. I really think it made sense to just get out and run hard. Do what you're good at. Drive the truck. Make as much money as you can. Um, if you were doing your own maintenance during that time, it's even better. But it, it wasn't something we were pushing a lot. Based on everything I'm hearing about our economy, our industry, what we're heading for, I think for some people, it might make the difference between them staying in business or not. Yeah. And... Also, oh, whenever we cost of things these days, right. and when we okay, start, so uh, we're going to start filming the shows more from our location, and we're going to take a part, uh, and it might be a part of a turbo, it might be a fuel injector, but it'll be something, and we're going to explain that, and you'll be able to see it. I love that, and we're going to talk oh, wow. about things like that. Uh, yeah, I love me, that. Let me let me say this. Good friend of mine, Robbie Smith, just had to pull a brake drum off of his Pete, and I just I just happened to see it on Facebook this morning. And Robbie and his son are very mechanically inclined. They're in North Carolina, and while he was pulling the brake drum off, he noticed he had a broken U bolt on the spring. Look what could have happened wow. if that spring would have come apart and come out from under that truck. Yep, yep. he caught it because he was going in to uh, do something to the brakes. Hey, hey, Bruce. That's why it pays to get under that truck. Bruce, I yes. would, um, I'd love it too. We'll work with you on this uh, to come up with a, a fairly portable setup for uh, video and do, you know, do a show on how an overhead gets done and actually show it. Remember at the, the CMC, Jeff Zarley built that trailer. That was his, you know, we had everybody set up doing different things. Jeff was there with an engine on a trailer doing an overhead. You couldn't get near that trailer. There were, there were people on top of each other trying to watch that. They were so interested in that. That's right. Well, we can do that. We can, uh, you know, we can do everything. We, we had, had made several videos, and we have them on our site. We even have the video on how to put a safety plus on. We have videos on timing big cams and videos on turbochargers and a lot of different videos. You just have to take the time to go to pittsburghpower.com and look at them. And while you're on there, look at the testimonials that people, that owner operators have set in on the max mileage catalyst. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Yeah, I just, uh, I'm, I just, I'm running my first tank with a max mileage and, in my big truck, and I've already put it in the pickup, and I've got a diesel Kubota side by side that I've put it in yesterday, and um, I think I know you put it in the motorcycles and all, so I guess it would be even a good idea in my uh, my Polaris uh, gas powered side by sides as well, right? That's right, one cc per gallon. Where have you been for three years? You're just getting started, <laughs> man. I. About three years ago, I finally, I, I finally quit serious. I, I just, uh, I was one of the first to get the unlimited or the, 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 the lifetime subscription. And then they, they stuck it to me on that and didn't continue. And I had been paying and I finally, 
I was just aggravated and canceled them. And so, and it's funny. I told Kevin this whenever I, I first called a few weeks ago. The day, the the, the day that I restarted my <laughs> subscription was the day that they canceled him. <laughs> uh, I was, I, well. you know, I it was. It's funny. I was about to say, well, maybe we'll both remember that day. I've already forgotten it. I have no idea what day it happened. I just know it was, it, it, I believe it was a Friday because it was, a, I could tell it was a repeat show on Friday. And then, so I called in Monday and yeah, they whatever they I, said, I said, um, this not trucking business. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I do remember it, it, it actually was a Thursday that it happened. And then Friday I was off the air. Uh, and then Monday yeah. I was totally off the air, but, uh, the reason I remember it happened on Friday after the show, uh, I, or Thursday after the show, I took Friday off and we actually went live that Saturday. We didn't even wait till Monday. I said, you know what? We're not waiting for Monday. We're just going to go back on the air right away. We went back on, on Saturday. We've been on ever yeah. since. You can't keep a good I, man down. I, I believe that was the yeah, that was would have been the I believe the end of February because the, the the first show was like February twenty eighth or something. That, that sounds about right. So, and then that was about the time that I hit yeah. the road. So yeah, I was on the road just about two months. So um, yeah, and and Bruce to to well, let you know, um, we we really we're only doing what we consider a soft launch on the show we did not promote it heavy at all we didn't send anything out to anybody except the two tribes um while we're working through our technology and our apps and getting you guys up and ready to do your own shows we're really keeping the audience pretty limited once the app rolls out and all the hosts are ready to do their own shows then we'll really start pushing this hard uh to because we know there are a lot of people out there that don't know where we are yet but uh that's okay. We've, we've got the tribes here and the shows are going good and we're growing and the technology gets better every day. So we're excited about it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be a beta tester. I uh, talked to Angie good. Good. Uh, this morning and they're going to get me set up because I, you know, I'm listening every day. So, um, you know, I might as well be able to offer my feedback. There you go. We appreciate that. All right. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the support. We're going to grab another one. We're going to head off to Iowa this time. Paul, welcome to the program. How's it going, gentlemen? Good. What's on your mind today? Well, first, I'm going to start off with amen, Bruce, on all his uh, CIA, FBI, DOJ stuff. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Um, with the biggest theft that our country ever had, where's the legal system? Yeah, exactly. They're failing us completely. The the, uh, entire legal system failed us on us. Um, I'm calling up. I bought, bought a 96 international. It's got an N14 in it. I was told it had 355 rear ends in it. I can't find a tag on these axles. Um, but it, there's no way it's a 355. It, uh, it was key, well, it was made with a 10 speed. Somebody eventually had put in a 13 speed. But I'm in 13th gear doing 1600 RPMs, and I'm only at 60 miles per hour. So I got wow. two questions. Yeah, right. 
Uh, I'm thinking it's got to be high fours, low fives, or well, something for well, in the rear runs to be. Well, hold on, because there's one thing we absolutely have to verify before you try to calculate the rear end. Or I can give you a way to calculate the rear ends without knowing this. It's not quite as accurate, but it'll get us close. We can't calculate the rear end because we don't know what the final drive is in that transmission. It could be a direct drive, 13-speed final gear. Could be a single overdrive, or it could be a double. You're, you're, you're right. You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're right. It could be. Um, I'm thinking it's overdrive just because as soon as I go into... 12th and 13th, it doesn't have the full power. Yeah. Um, it, that, so I'm thinking it is, but, but I can't guarantee it. Right. And I right. For the, so you get the tag off the transmission. There's no tag on the damn transmission either. So here, here's <laughs> one, here's one way to get us close. You know, we might not be able to tell the difference between a 342 and a 355 or a 355 and a 370. We can get pretty darn close. You, Park the truck, put a mark on the tire pointing right down to the ground at the center of the tire uh, where it's touching the ground. Tie a string around your drive shaft. Now, have somebody move the truck slowly and count the number of times that string goes around on the drive shaft. If you have 355s, it should go around three and a half times in the time it makes for that mark to get back down to the bottom. And that'll uh, get us close. If it, if it turns, you know, almost four times, then it could be a 390. If it goes a little past four, it could be a 410. But you, you can get pretty darn close using that method. Okay. All right. Yeah, I will definitely do that. Um, my other question is, what? because uh, I'm going to fix this. Uh I actually bought the truck, guys. Yeah, they put a lot of money into it. It's a good truck. Man, I got it. This thing's so rusted. The oil pan was so rusted. It had seat holes all over it. And same with the coolant reservoir and the shift linkage for going back to the transmission for shifting. You could almost pop the ball joints out with your thumb. <laughs> I was like, man, what the hell? <laughs> but anyways, I got it pretty much all up and going now. Uh, but, so... What RPM should an N14 select? It's not the select plus, just straight select. What RPM should this be running at? On the level, you should, be, you should be around 1,500 or so on the level. 14, 14 to 15 on the hills when you're working 16, 17, and 1,800. Okay. How many pounds does it make? What's your turbo it's boost there. on the pole? There's not a turbo boost on it. I will have one on it soon. I just, I bought this as a spare second truck, and which, uh, so I'm just, I'm putting it through the pace now. This is only the third time it's been on the road, and it's all been short local stuff. But, uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be getting a pyrometer and boost gauge up on the A-pillar here so I can see them. You know, just to give you an example of what I was talking about earlier, Matt ran it through the calculator for me. This is how critical that final transmission ratio can be to this calculation. Because when you hear you were talking about 1,600 at 60 miles an hour, you think, oh, boy, that's got to be really low gears. But here's the actual calculation. If you had a single overdrive, 13-speed, which it's very possible, at 0.86 with 355s, 
you're dead on 1600 at 61 miles an hour. So it may not be really low oh, okay. gears. It may just be a single overdrive transmission. That's why we have to we have to verify one of the numbers, then we could calculate the other one. We either have to verify what the rear right. end gear or we have to verify what the final transmission gear is, then we'd be able to calculate the other one. But that's it it could easily be something like three fifty fives. Okay. Which would also mean, which would also mean, if it were a direct drive, it could be like two sixty fours or two seventy threes. I actually did put two six. Well, I, I was going to put two sixty fours in my other truck. Uh, I wasn't informed that it was a two sixty two until after I went to pay for it. They didn't have two sixty four, but uh, boy, would that make a difference running seventy five miles per hour out out past you going to Oregon. Yeah, well, that's that's how out from Wisconsin. <laughs> you know, we we talk a lot about the fact that all of those factors play into that. Even when you're getting right down to it, tire size plays into that calculation as well. Basically, our tire size is another gear. It, it, it's a, and you can change that gear by putting a different size tire on it. You're basically putting a different size gear into the drive line. Let's uh, let's go to Oklahoma, and I'll let you know uh, this is the last call we have on the line. If you want to jump in with more maintenance-related calls, I would do it now. Um, once we get through all the calls here on this show, we'll take a break. I'll be coming back at uh, 12.30 Eastern time for the pit. I am going to have open phone lines throughout the entire time. If you want to talk to me, you certainly can. If you have questions about politics or how they are affecting trucking, you can ask if you have an opinion about politics. A lot of people do. Um, call in and join me. Let's go to Oklahoma, Gene. Kevin, can I call in on this same line? You, you, you can, can I call person. in on this same line? You can. If you want okay. to talk politics, we can talk politics. That'll be fun. Oh, I love to talk politics right now. All I right. might call back to the first talk about politics. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Gene in Oklahoma, go ahead. Yes, sir. Hey, I have a 2001 Volvo with a Detroit Series 60 Fall 7. I bought it a few months ago. I've been working at it. I bought the uh, Pittsburgh Power. I got the manifold, the turbo, the muffler. I got a fleet air filter. It ran fine for a few weeks, and then I've started getting, I'm calling it a burping at this point, because it will uh, it'll cut out almost like uh, the Jake brakes trying to engage, but it doesn't. It's only at a lower RPM. I actually sent uh, a copy of the video over to Pete, and then I talked to Brian about it. I had found the wire on the starter solenoid that was crossed over to the other post. I separated that. I thought it had uh, it had fixed it, but it did not. It just minimized. It doesn't do it as often now. I'm not sure what's going on with it. We have put uh, six new injectors into it. It's not the injector. And I say whenever it burps, it's whenever I'm... Um, decelerating down a hill, like if I'm, even if I'm going to a traffic light in between, it's more at lower RPMs. Whenever I go to ease back into the throttle, it will, you can feel it's not making the power. It's almost like something's holding you back. And then it will cough. Generally, it blows a light or a gray smoke out. Uh, a few days ago, it did put a, uh, a heavy puff of uh, black smoke. It almost sounded like a 12-gauge going off. 
my other truck was behind me, and he actually had uh, some debris hitting the windshield after it did it. I don't know if there's a program in the computer that might be messed up or in wiring, but I'm thinking somewhere along that line, I'm just trying to eliminate uh, stuff out of the equation, but it's still carrying on. At highway speeds down the road, I just went from Pittsburgh to Las Vegas, I'm on my way back, and it runs fine on the open road. It's just that the, the lower RPMs, and you're trying to put a load under it at lower speeds. Could be air. Uh, you might want to check with a sight glass to see if you're getting air into the fuel system. And uh, Pete, Leroy, do you guys have any thoughts? Well, I checked the fuel system out completely, you know, fuel pressure, fuel restriction, um, especially when the truck does it and see if it affects anything. If nothing changes with that, then we can at least roll the fuel system out and look elsewhere. Um, a I test ECM might be a quick change. I did notice the other day on my DAVCO, the fuel was up about two inches. And when I lifted the, the hood in Vegas, I see my fuel on the DAVCO was down about a half inch from the bottom. And I thought that was odd after it started climbing. Very rarely have I ever seen that fuel level fall back after it climbed up the, uh, the DAVCO. Okay. If you look in tanks to see if there's anything, uh, you know, when the tanks are low, see if you get any algae or um, asphaltine going on. I haven't seen anything in there, but uh, the one thing I do notice is it draws predominantly from the passenger side tank rather than the driver's tank. If I'm going to put 100 gallons in, 25 gallons will go in the driver's side and 75 in the passenger side. So that could be a couple of things, drawing from one tank more than the other. It could be returning to one tank more than the other. We're an issue at the vent. Um, you know, it's a 99 truck, so, or 2002. Uh, have you changed the fuel lines on it yet? I have not yet. No. Yeah, and that would be something to do as a maintenance, which might take care of this problem. New suction lines as well as return lines, simply because of the age. Right, it did. I say it doesn't bother me when I'm on the road, but I'm at the lower RPMs. It makes me wonder if I'm going to make it to the next traffic light sometimes. So, I, so when does it? Peak. Oh, good. Uh, Pete, did you see the video that I emailed to you there a few weeks ago? No, I wasn't able to open it. Okay, yeah, that's. Uh, I know I forwarded that over to Brian, and he was able to open it up there. But you can see I, I was able to capture it in a package light mirror where it just put a big plume of smoke out. Um, sometimes it'll backfire. I would, I, I, sometimes you would think I have a gas engine with a bad plug into it. It's hitting on all cylinders. It'll backfire. Can you make it, I mean, is it something that you can make do on a regular basis? Is it completely random? It, it used to be at random. More often now, I can make it do at any time. When does it do it again? You say like when you're going down you like you go off of a downhill, then you get back into the throttle. Is that when it does it, or what? Yeah, what makes at a you do lower it? speed. If I'm down thirty to forty mile an hour, and I'm going down just like we're down a little bit of a downcline, and whenever it's just idling, yeah, you know, free rolling. When I get to roll back into the throttle, you'll feel it start to pick up, and then you can just feel in the seat you're you're not you're losing forward drive. And that's whenever it's getting ready to pop crack, and it'll put a big plume of smoke out the uh, out the stack. 
Well, you, you said idle, but do you, do you mean idle or do you mean like if it's in gear? It's just not no, no throttle. If it's in gear, it's in gear. It's just rolling okay. down, just freewheeling. And did you say you did injectors or you're, yeah. you're thinking about uh, it? There's six, no, there's six new injectors in it. Hmm. Okay. And does it do it any other time when you start the rolling of the throttle or no? Not really. It, it, I didn't notice it doing it bobtail, except for the last time I kind of thought it was doing it, but I didn't have a load onto it. But if I even hook up to an empty trailer, once I'm putting more of a load onto it, it's more predominant. And you don't know if it has a program or not, right? I do not. Okay. Um, the truck's got a million two hundred eighty-four thousand on it right now. I don't think it's ever been broke into. Well, no, it has. It was rebuilt. I'm sorry, about three hundred thousand ago before I bought it. Uh, yeah, it's actually going about ten thousand miles between going on a gallon of oil. So it's everything's tight in the rings, and the oil samples have come back great on it. And when you when you roll back into it at a low RPM, does does the engine hesitate or like like there's no acceleration really? It it will start to pick up, and then you can almost feel almost like you're running the J brake, or you're not you're not getting all of the power coming into it when it does it, and right. it will flutter a little bit. And I'm now calling it when it burps because that's what it does. That's when it rolls. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, it's been a grayish blue, white colored smoke. Um, I have noticed a couple times now when it's just been a huge black ball come out of the exhaust. Are you, yeah, are you so, running the maximum? No, I'm sorry. Are you running yeah, the catalyst? Yes. I'm actually a dealer for you up there. I'm, I'm up in Dayton. Oh, okay. It, it sounds like it's happening while the engine is going into smoke control mode because you can feel the, the lack of power. You say it's, it's while it's, the power is coming on and it's, it, I ask because about the program, because if it's stock and it can still have an issue depending on if the ECM was ever swapped or if they put a file that didn't belong in there or something from the dealer because older files ran uh, like a different smoke control strategy, I guess in layman's terms. Uh, basically the old ones ran a lot more timing and the old one, the new ones don't. And it sounds like you're either like loading up on fuel, which I thought maybe it was like an injector dripping down. And then when you're under acceleration, you get a bunch of fuel in the, in the cylinder. And then when you get back on the throttle, then it's, you know, abnormal combustion. Right. Uh, but you take the new injectors in it. So that rules that out, but it still sounds like there's something did. going on in smoke mode. Yeah, we did run a new uh, harness when we put the injectors in, the new wiring harness down yeah. the ECM. Uh, mm-hmm. And one other thing to take note of was before we did that, I only had one stage of the jigs. It only had a high and low for uh, stages on the jigs. And right. whenever my mechanic put the wiring harness in, he just tied the two solenoids together, so I've only got high uh, engine brake status now. Mm-hmm. And whenever I okay. run that, I get an engine code. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever I'm on the Jake, it, it will it'll throw an engine code, which I believe is a fifty-one dash three. Not sure if it's Yeah, it. Uh, I looked at. I talked to YouTube. Told me it was something to do uh, with the uh, with the engine brake. And it, mm-hmm. if I turn the engine brake on, when it comes up, when I turn the engine brake off, it goes away. So it's something tied to that. They 
he said he was getting no power to that second stage on the uh, on the engine brake assembly. Have you taken your off ABM or no? Say again. I was going to say, has, has anyone taken the lid off the ECM to see if there's water and stuff in it? That's pretty common for the Jakes to go out if they got water in them. No, they have not. Yeah. Matter of fact, Might be something worth doing. I somebody to work on the Detroit. I couldn't find anybody that had an opening to get in. But my mechanics worked on one or two before, so we got into it that way. You'll have that. So did you say you were in Dayton, PA? Yes, that's where I'm based out of. Okay, well, heck, you're only an hour and 15 minutes from us, right? Yeah, well, about 45 minutes. I've actually uh, been down. I was uh, I was testing that one other product for you, if you remember, Bruce. Right. Oh, I remember. As soon as you said Dayton, I knew who you were. So yep. Why don't you just bring it on down and let Leroy and uh, Ty look at it? Do a the shop's full, and Bruce. The shop's full. I mean, these guys are really backed up. Is it full, is it full yeah. for engineering, too? Yeah, you're backed up, right, Leroy? I mean, at the moment, he is. I mean, that can change. Yeah, at, at the moment. We, we're, yeah. The shop's really full right now. Right. And that's I've understood that. I And, you know, trying to work around it, that's why I've been trying to diagnose it myself, just rule different items out uh, rather than, you know, I've checked the wiring out, and the only thing that I found was that one lead wire coming off the solenoid down off the starter had, it's like an eight gauge wire. Maybe it had rubbed against one of the wires that come off the post beside it. And whenever I, I took that out and I put new tape on the, uh, on those wires, I made it from the house. I was at the Youngstown and it, the whole way at 422 or anything, it never acted up, which I expected it to, especially coming down like about 85 there on the two lane. That's mm-hmm. what it was. It was pulling it very heavy when I was on those slower two lane roads. It would, come up more quite often. Right. Right. Yeah, it sounds like we just uh, need to get it looked at at some time. Not quite sure when, but uh, that's something I think we have to look at in person. If we have an extra uh, loaner ECM, throw a loaner ECM on and see if it goes away, it would be quick. Yeah, that would eliminate one one piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Right. Now you said there's a, a cover on the ECM I could pull off to see if it's waterlogged or anything, or yeah. So if you there's four screws on it, if you pop the ECM off, there's four little screws in the back. You take the four little screws out, and if it's an old ECM, they have a separate circuit board on the edge, uh, not just on the bottom. And the, the the edge circuit board, as I'll call it, is right along the seal of the ECM, and that when that seal like gets contaminated or it gets you know whatever, and it fuel breaks down, and it lets water in. And water always lands right there because that's where the drivers are for the jake brakes. So exactly. I feel like it's sort of a common issue when you hear jake brakes go bad on, a, on an older 60 series that it's usually water got in and destroyed that part of the board. Right. And I have a background in electronics, and I have a understanding. Yeah, so you know what I mean. Yeah, so if you pop it off and you see green and stuff, then, you know, that's, that's what it could be. Not saying that's what it is, but I've seen that a bunch. Right, right. Okay, well, something I can get and check into. I'm actually I deliver in Coriopolis on Friday morning, so yeah. There you go. All right. Sounds like we've got a plan. We've got some more calls on the line, so we're going to keep going. We're going to head off to Kansas this time. Bob, welcome to the program. 
Yeah. Can you hear me okay? We can. What's on your mind today? Hello? Oh, I have. I, I couldn't describe my problem with my 12-7 any more than exactly what the last guy was talking about. And I have done the test that I put a side glass through my fuel line to check for air. And I've replaced my injectors. I replaced the wiring harness from the engine, the harness from the, for the engine harness and my cab harness. I've replaced those two and I, and I can't, and we cannot track it down, but it is exactly what the last guy was talking about. Every time you coast down a hill and you go to roll back into the throttle, squeeze back into the throttle, not every time, but a lot of times it just seems like I'll get this same backfire or this loading up with fuel. It's just, and like he said, you get this whitish smoke coming out and it's only when you start to squeeze into the throat. If I like stomp onto the throttle, it won't do it. But if I go to just kind of like pick up my slack in my driveline just a little bit, nice and easy after coasting down a hill, it, that's when it starts to load up real heavy with fuel and just, boom, just a huge backfire will happen. And then you get the black smoke out of the stack. And I, I, I was just listening to the show. And I mean, I could not describe my 12-7 any more than exactly what he's having problems with. Wanna, here's what I want you to do. I want you to call our office and ask for Leroy and give him your name and phone number. Because uh, the other fellow's local. When we get his fix, we'll call you and tell you what we have to do to fix yours. Okay. I will do it. Okay. I've I, I bought lots of products from you guys, so I'm sure. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. It really does sound like there's a, because when you're going downhill and you're not in the throttle, then the engine's not fueling, right? There, there's no fuel being injected. And then when you get back on it, there's not a whole lot of fuel. So for there to be a backfire or, you know, some sort of combustion event, there has to be fuel getting in there or something combustible. So well, if that's why you I, start to step back onto the throttle, if you let your foot completely off the throttle, it'll go away. It'll almost like cycle it out. If you stay off the throttle long enough, but it's when you just start to step into the throttle just ever so slightly, that's when it seems like it starts fueling too much. Like it's not reading how much boost pressure and it, and the throttle thinks it has boost pressure. And so, it's starting to feed a lot of fuel or flood the cylinder full of fuel. Well, how much boost do you have during while jaking? Well, zero. I mean, well, I, 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 well, I'm not while jaking. It doesn't happen while you're jaking. It happens when you're starting to just crack your throttle open. That's when the problem starts to happen. That's when I start to see smoke is when you're on the throttle. If you're completely off the throttle, that's, it'll make the problem go away because it's like, if you can, if you start to hear it and it starts to smoke a little bit and it starts mm -hmm. to do that little stumble or the cough that other guy was talking about, you let off of it and just let it keep coasting for a while and it'll kind of clear itself out. And then you go ahead and get back on the throttle hard and then it'll, it'll go ahead and run fine. But it's when you're just easing back, like you just coasting down a hill coming into a town and you start to like pick up your throttle just a little bit that's when she'll really load up on you. Yeah. Like you said, like, the, like what you said, they're loading up. It's kind of what it sounds like, but that would be, I'd like to see that one in person. That would be, that would be interesting to see. So, 
have you ever like like on an old carburetor car and you're like and it's a six shift and you're like going down the street and you shut the ignition off and then you turn it back on and it'll it'll make a backfire. That's exactly what it does. That that's what it reminds me of. Yeah, when you're when you're saying about it, yeah, that's what that's what it sounds like. Yeah, you're right. Okay, well, I just wanted to throw that in. That I, that guy has the exact problem. So if you figure his out, yeah, please let me know. All right, then, All right. I, I, I get have him everything I could possibly throw at this truck to figure it out. All right, and sounds- it's really intermittent, and it 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 seems like it's like like I almost feel like it's about altitude or a drastic change in altitude. And is there an altimeter in these things that knows like the altitude? Yeah, there is. It's not very um, precise, I guess so. Um, but, you know, there is one. It seems to happen sometimes when I'm climbing a hill and I'll go to shift gears, like to downshift the hill. You know, I, like I'm working it real hard and then I'm like coming up to a stop sign and I need to downshift a couple of gears. It'll, it'll catch me like that sometimes. It'll stumble as I'm going after I've downshifted one gear and I go to step back on my throttle and I'm doing it real easy again, it, it'll, it'll do that backfire again, just like that. So I'll let you guys go. Yeah. I appreciate the show. All right. Thanks for the call. We're, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Bruce, Pete, Leroy, anybody want to finish with anything? I just want to thank you for giving us an extra 22 minutes. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, uh, you know, really the way we're kind of running the show right now, since we're broadcasting to a limited audience right now, is we do at least an hour. I mean, we can fill an hour just us talking if we wanted to. That's not hard. Uh, Once the calls start coming in, I try to stay till the calls are done. Uh, And that's the nice thing about not having a hard stop time. I can stop whenever I want now. So we uh, if calls are coming in. We just keep taking them. We figure if people have questions, we can help them. And as the audience, as we start to grow it, once we release the app, then we'll probably go back to hard times. But I'd like to get um, the power hour back to two hours with no commercials, which is really almost closer to three hours by the time you figure out how much of an interruption a commercial is, you start going into the commercial almost an hour before you, or I mean a minute before you have to take the break. Then when you come back, you got to do the intros again, and then you got to get back into the call. And you lose a lot of time with four of those, you know, every hour. So not doing the breaks um, really makes it nice. I think we can stick with the call. We can stay on point. Um, We don't get as distracted and we can get a lot more calls in. So I'm going to wrap this up. I will be back in just about seven minutes. We will go live at 1230 Eastern time with the pit politics in trucking. I want to thank the team from Pittsburgh Power, Bruce and Pete and Leroy. And we'll do it again next week. Be safe. Be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.